We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Name More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Friday morning. It's almost afternoon right now. It's December 15th after the Wolves and an 18 point win in Dallas against Luka and the Mavs on Thursday night. I got Kyle Tige here with me to get into how the Wolves fell down 17 to 2 in the first three minutes of that game uh, before sort of, I guess, kind of stabilizing and scraping back uh, at that deficit over the next couple quarters. Uh, We'll get into what happened, who contributed to that comeback, uh, because I kind of thought it was a game where production came from production came from places you weren't necessarily expecting and a lack of production came from places you weren't exactly uh, expecting. So most of the episode will be um, on the Dallas game, which I think kind of connects to the roster being back at full strength, some rotation changes, it's kind of where this team is at right now. Uh, but then at the end of the episode, because today is December 15th, uh, Kyle and I were kind of talking about how this is like the unofficial official start of trade season uh, in that on December 15th, uh, basically the whole league becomes eligible uh, to be traded. So we know we're way in advance of the actual trade deadline two months out from now. But um, we want to take... I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes at the end of the episode to just kind of set the table for what this team can do uh, at the deadline, um, what they can trade, what what those contracts come together to be. What are reasonable things to even estimate this team might be able to add uh, at the trade deadline? Because we kind of expect they will make uh, a decision, that they will make some sort of move there. And, you know, I think it's an interesting conversation of what type of player do you want to to add to this team? So we'll get into all that, but we'll start with the Dallas game. Kyle, what's up? I saw the tweets last night, Dane. What I tweets? saw them. I saw those tweets. Some of you listening, I saw it. 17 to 2. I saw it. Same old wolves. Here we go again. <laughs> this this bleeping team. I saw them all. I've been stressing on my little soapbox that in-game tweeting, first quarter tweeting is for losers. Uh, I saw it, 17-2. to two, Everyone's like, here we go again. They're going to lose the next 16 games. <laughs> Wolves. As I move my mouse here. 
Uh, Wolves 119, Mavericks 101. The floor is yours. Where do you want to go? Let's just do 90 minutes on Nas. I mean, uh, again, I, I joke, but it was, they did come out a little flat. You know, that, that happens. But you lose your basketball credibility card if you start judging things in the first quarter in the first half. I just, I'm literally so over that. Like, yes, oh, my God, a team went on a 12 nothing run. That's crazy. They play 48 minutes of a game. These guys are so athletic. The shot making is absurd. Yeah, they came out cooking. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you really enjoy the sport, adjustments are real. You change things up. Like a boxing match isn't the same 12 rounds of strategy going same blow right. for blow. Uh, they came out last night. They kind of, in, in a sense, almost let Luca cook himself to death. He was obviously amazing. He's fun. I'd love to talk about just him in general a little bit. He whines. He complains. But from an offensive standpoint, there's just some things he does that are absurd. And you don't he's, – he's one of those guys, right? You can't stop Luka Doncic. You can just kind of hope to hope contain to him contain or slow him, him down. But uh, <laughs> they did in the second half. They made some adjustments. I was watching our friend uh, Jake Painting's little breakdown today on, on howls and growls. Like they made some slight adjustments to how they defended the pick and roll. And they started – Will you elaborate on that, like briefly? And and also, uh, I've been checking. I haven't didn't watch that one this morning from Jake, but those are awesome. I often get a lot of, "How come you guys don't do episodes immediately after the game?" So they're up first thing in the morning, and uh, we've gotten into that because I'm normally at the games, so I can't do and it I'm there. But drunk. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, but but what I like, Jake is very smart. Um, with the ba- with X's and O's with basketball, and he just kind of does the, what is like six to eight minute sort of things on a key theme uh, from the game. Those those are awesome. But will you get? It? I, I haven't watched. Will you yeah, get into yeah, like I mean, what some of the small tweaks were against Luca? Because that's that's what changed, right? It was seventeen to two, and it looked like it looked like Jaden had no answer for Luca in the beginning of that game, and he actually picked up his third foul or his second foul. I think three minutes and fourteen seconds into the game McDaniels has to go to the bench and now you're like all right it's already 17 to 2 Jaden's out um when he comes back in he's going to come back in in foul trouble so even if we can survive these next nine minutes of the quarter Jaden's going to be guarded Luca in foul trouble but none of that at proved to you know to be an issue they progressively slowed Luca down uh, over the course of the game what 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 went into that well, again, I'm just stealing from Jake. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and I think Jake, we've established that. Thank you, Jake. And, and, and Jay's, I got to plug him too. Like, Jake does an amazing job. Jake lives halfway around the world. He does kind of have a cheat code because I think these games tip yeah. off, like, <laughs> at lunchtime. So then he gets all day to work. Yeah. But that man is trying to do this for a living. Howls and growls. Subscribe to his Substack. Mm-hmm. The player ratings after every game are awesome. And the videos are great. So now I'm going to take what Jake said and make myself sound smart. But it sounds like in the second half, it sounds like it literally appeared, uh, they were a little more aggressive, like, in – on Rudy stepping up on those screens, yep. hard hedging. Uh, also, too, a little more subtle and a little more nuanced way for my dumb brain to understand it. They put quite – I don't know if Jaden can guard Luka. Like, if, as you focus on maybe stuff that comes down in April or May, like, I think this is a bad playoff matchup potentially for Rudy. I also think it might be a bad one for Jaden, and it's no shame on Jaden. I just think Jaden is built – like one of those inflatable tube men at a dealership, and he he can guard so many different types of players. But Luca's methodical, but also so strong. Like he is just like the yeah. base of a tree. And I don't know if there's five guys in the league better to defend him than Kyle Anderson, because Kyle Anderson is also not fast or athletic 
or any of the things. Like he's basically also tree like. Yes. Yeah, and he's and he just he moves his feet. So Luke is not going to blow by you by speed, but he just he he can't push you off. Like once he gets by you and he has you on your hip, he can kind of just shove Jaden around and tell Jaden where to go. He couldn't do that with Kyle. So last night they made adjustments to how Rudy hedged on the on the pick and roll, which is Luca's bread and butter, and they kind of started turning in terms of like points per possession, they started turning every time Luca had a pick and roll in the first half, it was money. I mean, he, he, and he is still so good at finding guys passing, setting guys up. He just waits until you make a mistake and he finds one of his shooters. They're all mm-hmm. spaced out. But in the second half, they started turning Luca's pick and rolls into like transition points. Be like, there was one where Rudy stepped up really hard on a hedge, started to backpedal, got his hand out. I think he was trying to pass it to lively, forced to forced to steal. And Jane got out in transition. And again, the Mavs aren't necessarily the most athletic team getting back too. So just little things like that to go back to the 17 to two run. I think the Wolves just kind of showed up in Dallas and was like, all right, let's, let's let you punch us first. Something we, we have been big on, right? It's like, let's see a good team punch the Wolves in the face. Mm -hmm. And then let's see for the next 36 minutes, next 24, how they respond. And I thought from Finch to whoever is running defensive coverages, they made little slight changes that all of a sudden in the second half, you're never going to stop Luca from posting 36, 12, and 11, but he had to work way harder for it in the second half, and it was much more of a coin flip on, is this going to be a bucket for the Mavs, or is this going to be an instant bucket for the Wolves? Right. They they needed, once they got more aggressive in the coverage, to my eye, uh, Luca had to become more of a playmaker in, you know, create what he does, and creating those open corner threes or threes for, for his teammates, and then those teammates need to make them I think a handful of those guys just weren't making shots you know Mm -hmm. and you know maybe the game goes a little bit different maybe it's at least I'm not saying the Wolves lose necessarily because they won like out by like 20 Uh, but that could have kept it a little bit closer there and then maybe you need to make another adjustment off of that to stay home a little bit more should also point out no Kyrie in this game Uh, passing the baton to him at some point might have been uh, profitable for for Dallas there there too it is just kind of like I, I saw Jace tweet the, this out this morning this isn't like a, a dig on the Wolves because it's gone both ways like the Wolves just played the Pelicans without Ant so you don't get to see that matchup clearly they when they played it the Sixers before Embiid didn't play Kyrie didn't play last night um, they've caught a handful of teams on back-to-backs or the you know the Wolves have the, caught the Suns on that terrible back-to-back like there's just been a lot of like impure sort of matchups for this team. The Pacers on Saturday will be that again, as I think they're on a road road back to back, which is all like kind of a bummer. And is it's going to be interesting. I think particularly against these like Pelicans and Mavericks type teams that could reasonably be a playoff matchup, right? How much are we going to have to go off of from the regular season matchups uh, in particular? I did find myself. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I wonder about this matchup for for the Wolves. Not that like they just beat Dallas by 20. Like I, I think they'd be okay with Dallas in a playoff series. It just is interesting that it feels like a matchup and was last night where Rudy. It wasn't that Rudy. I mean, he got in foul trouble, and it wasn't necessarily that I thought Rudy played bad when he wasn't in foul trouble. It just there's not a lot Rudy can do to impact that matchup right like they just don't go to the basket that often other than luca there's not those like second side attacks like you don't see dante exum or tim hardaway jr like barreling down to the basket and challenging rudy gobert so they're just not gonna 
they're not going to do that. So there's a little bit of a limitation on the way Rudy can impact this matchup. And then I think offensively too, like Lively's big and athletic and they were trying to find Rudy in some of those roles and Lively kind of does a pretty good job with his size of being able to play too. So I just like, I put that in my notes. I'm putting that in my mind of like, okay, if we get to whenever or to the playoffs and whatever the matchup is, if it's Dallas, that's something to to keep in mind with this matchup is Rudy isn't just going to organically be a huge weapon in this matchup. How can you, how can you make him one? Right. And additionally, which maybe I think leads us into Nas Reed here. Maybe that's a, a, a type of matchup that you need more from your other two bigs in, in Carl and Nas. I think Nas's stat line obviously really pops uh, making seven threes in this game, but Carl was low key, super impactful. I like actually when he's getting to his mid range game, some like if you can, if we're sitting here all the time saying like Carl needs to shoot more threes, it's because we are acknowledging that like there is no limit, right? Or like we're nowhere near the limit of where you're going to start getting diminishing returns on his three point shot because he's that great of a shooter. And that level of shooter can also be impactful from the mid range. I what do you have like three, four kind of mid range one on one clean looks uh, that he hit. But yeah, the story in this game, I think the main one with Rudy being in foul trouble was Nas coming in and being that spark that we've kind of been talking about this offense needing. They need a little bit more offense on this team and the, the best place or like the most likely place to get more offensive juice out of this team right now feels like Nas Reed. Um, and an opportunity presented itself for that with, with Rudy's foul trouble, but it was, I think it was really encouraging to see uh, to see Nas deliver. I have a couple like specific things on that, but I'll just go to you uh, with Nas and, and what stood out to you most about his his game here. Well, to to get to Nas, but to close the loop on Rudy because yeah. you made a really good point. There were moments, even my Timberwolves scar tissue, where I was watching that game early in the first half, and you just had like shades of Terrence Mann and the Clippers, right? Where it's just like, oh, here we go again. They're just going to be five out. And like you said, there's really nothing for Rudy to do. He's got to get to the corners. He's got to do all this stuff. But the difference between Rudy on the Jazz when they were getting cooked off the court against a five-out system is that this team, Rudy didn't have this in Utah. This team just puts Rudy on the bench and brings in mm-hmm. Nas Reed. <laughs> and Nas Reed can come in and cook you for 27. So just the options that this team has to not only defend – but to have a three-headed monster, it's like, hey, when we need to defend some nights against a really big front line, maybe it's the Pelicans or something, uh, we got to put Carl and Rudy out there as, as much as possible. When we play against a smaller team, we have this six foot ten guard from LSU that didn't get drafted. They will just go cook you, and we'll just go basically offense for defense. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I want to like say this now. I am henceforth referring to Nas Reed as a wing, like. Okay, let me write if, that down. If you just watch the, if you like never watched the Bulls before and you've come in and you've watched 10 of these games this year, what about Nas Reed is a big outside of the fact that he is physically big? Like, what, what, what is the post up game sometimes? How often does that happen? And when does it happen? It happens when he gets a switch against a small, right? That's pretty much the only time they go to that left block thing. Like, what, what is, what is it? He doesn't defend the rim. He isn't being asked to defend the rim. Like Nas Reed plays as a big wing 
And I know this is kind of furthering some of my own personal opinion of that he should get out there on the floor more often as a three, whether not necessarily with Carl and Rudy, because I think they've determined they have to play zone there, but more and more minutes of Kyle Anderson at the four and Nas at the three. I'm viewing it that way. Like, I, I just think that to me of just turning off all the past history and knowing that Nas weighed like 60 pounds, four year, more pounds four years ago, and that he was drafted as a center and that he played center on this team. He just doesn't. He just does not play center. That is at anything. It's He's like a stretch. He's a stretch four. I texted you. I got a lot of stuff going on. My parents are in town uh, that I was going to get a little off the rails today. So let's just do it because you started <laughs> up. Um, 6'9", 260. At 6'9", without shoes. That's LeBron's weight and height. <laughs> Nas Reed is the same, 6'9", 264 after, him, after I, I a big bowl jelly. I asked him, yeah, well, I asked him how much he weighs. This is the end of last season. He told me 237. Okay, well, listen. so But I think that furthers your point of, like, he's even smaller than LeBron. Yeah, Cam, don't cut this and say I'm comparing him to LeBron James. But what I'm trying to do is <laughs> back up Dane's point here that, yes, he was drafted. I mean, he was drafted, right, as, like, a uh, dollar store Carnathy Towns. A big guy that can shoot the ball from deep. My but first comp not... for him was most Spates. Well, my comp for him moving forward would be less Spates yeah. and, and, and more LeBron. But, uh, no, it, it, it's really incredible. And it's, it's his shot-making ability, but it's also my thing when I watch him. Yes, he's got a fun handle, and yes, he's fearless. There was a moment in the game I wrote down on my phone. Um, I think it might, have been in, it might have been in transition where they got a steal and they got, but we need to ban the charge. Like, not all charges, but we need to ban guys jumping right in front of guys as they're about to take off. Because I thought, again, Nas was going to have a Phoenix Suns break his hand moment. But uh, just the ability for Nas to do so many things and then have that. I don't know how, if you have on top of your head, how many games he played for Iowa back in his development days. But he just gets the system. He just, if the ball touches his hands, it's a shot, it's a move, or it's a pass. It doesn't stick. Yeah, he'll back a guy down every once in a while when he has an, like kind of an advantage, but he just gets Finch's system of just keep this thing moving, and that's decisive. the hardest way to defend. Yeah, decisive would be a much smarter way to say that. So 27 points, 8 for 14 from the field, 7 for 11 from 3, career high. Um, but also, too, just like 6 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, just little the, the things. Passing, I know it's only 3 assists, man. I think that was one of the best passing games I've seen from Nas Reed in his career. There's like, It was whatever, like, however potential assists work or whatever, he had, like, four, five, six more of those where it was weird. I, I wrote down that, like, not decisive Nas, but it was, like, in a smart way. They were getting, <laughs> yeah. they were, like, they yeah. were getting those switches, and he was rolling up a small into the post, and he recognized after the first time he did it that when that happens, it is the defensive plan of the Mavericks to double that. So he had one like a couple minutes into when he he checked in. And normally, like, what do we think of when Nas is on that left block? It's like instant right shoulder into that left hook, yep. right? <laughs> and he just he just like the ball got seemingly sticky mm -hmm. for like a half second. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, is he gonna travel here? And he waited for that defender to come down. I don't remember who he kicked it to at the top of the key, maybe Troy Brown or something. And that one might have been a miss, but I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then he kept doing it. He it was it was one of the more patient passing games I'd seen from Nas. And so while like the seven threes is what's going to, you know, stand out on the box score there. And obviously that's a cute that it 
probably a bigger reason why they won than the passing. But um, I, I I noted that, and and that I think goes to some of the idea of like Nas can be a second unit hub, right? Of offensive production, not just as a decisive scorer, not just as a three point shooter. I think that dude can pass. I mean, maybe a couple less of like the baseline drives and when he like tries to turn two by like throwing it to the corner, let like got deflected out of bounds like three times last night. But I just think there's there's more in the bag, right? Mm-hmm. With with Nas. And I'm not even just talking about like dribble moves. There's just I think there's more that he can do offensively. And he showed it in that game, a game they needed it when Rudy's value was marginalized given the opponent and further mal- marginalized when Rudy got in foul trouble. Let me grab our, our first break. We can we can keep talking about Nas and kind of roll with the, the rest of this game here. But I want to tell uh, the listeners about Your Home Improvement Company. It's one of our new local uh, sponsors. And Your Home Improvement Company knows that you don't all need a bathroom renovation or a window installation. But some of you do. And that is going to, like, if and when that happens, that's going to be uh, an expensive project and likely a timely project. And, and that's kind of their thing is quit like Nas Reed decisive, right? You're going to within 30 days, uh, have your entire project done, um, from the time you, you make your call to, to the time it's, it's finished. Some of the installations can happen in as, as little as one day, uh, it's your home improvement company. So it's yhic.com, or you can call them at 844-270-7180. No interest, no payments, nothing down till 2025. Um, and if you act in the month of December, they are offering uh, free installation on those on those bathroom installations and for windows. It's buy two windows, get two windows uh, for free. So twice the windows for, for half the cost. Again, no interest, no payments, nothing down until 2025. So if you know, if you are somebody who is considering that bathroom renovation, you are considering uh, that that window installation, keep that business in the Wolves family. They're obviously supporting us uh, here on the show, and we would love uh, for them to be supported if that's something that you're going to do uh, yourself. Anyways, again, that's yhic.com or 844-270-7180. Your home improvement company, where it's your home made better uh all right kyle you want to keep going on nas or should we uh slide along to i thought Nikhil. maybe let's do that i, I thought Nikhil was big but yeah, let me just give first? you let me just give you some deep analytics here from our friends at DraftKings. uh just because you were talking and i was just looking things up a couple interesting things in the ties to nas but i will say too coach of the year odds right now on DraftKings. chris finch is not listed mm-hmm. that might be but i'm talking like they have Billy Donovan listed. Like, they have Steve Kerr and Greg Povich. Chris Finch is not listed, which to me would seem that he might be the favorite right now, but I digress. Uh, Nas Reed is currently— That was 28 to 1 at the— right? I think I got it at 22 to 1. Um, yeah. But I will say Nas Reed right now, I believe, is tied for 7th for 6th man of the year odds, and he's also 13th on the most improved player odds. So, again, is he going to hit any of those things? Probably not. But before we turn to Nikhil, and there's actually a Nikhil Nas comp that I want to make, but yeah. I I wrote this down last night, very late. I think you, you and Nas Reed is kind of like me and Jaden. I think we don't talk about Nas Reed enough still. 
Like, I just think his story is one of the coolest stories in the world. I mean, he, he, he was had a chance, man, to just be like a car salesman. Like, he had a chance to just be out of the league, get a couple 10 days, and now you're done. He is one of the most pivotal players. I mean, this team is known nationally for their defense, but I do wonder as it continues to develop and they get a little more shine, the second thing I would take away from this team, and, you know, Ant's so great, and, they're, and Mike Conley's leadership, is that they have this three-headed monster that is kind of almost revolutionizing, like, the league this year in terms of these three dudes that do all these different things, and you can find two a combination of two of them at any time. Nas can play with Rudy. Like, that was one of your big preseason things. Carl and Rudy has obviously shown their value. Um, Carl and Nas, I don't necessarily know how much they've played together yet, but there's just so many options now that Finch can throw and last night was a non-Rudy game he finished with eight points he did have 12 rebounds but they just leaned into Carl leaned into Nas and now to transition to Nikhil you said yeah you know Nas is still gonna have that turnover right he's still gonna give you like a night where he shoots like one for eight from the field but it's like what I said about Nikhil a couple weeks ago if Nas Reed didn't have a couple of those flaws the Wolves wouldn't have been able to afford him. <laughs> so, like, his flaws should be embraced. Like, when he throws the ball over or does something stupid or falls down, that's great. That's why we're paying you only X instead of 4X. So his his development is just, I constantly love talking about that guy. And then over to Nikhil, who is, I don't know, guard Nas Reed, just the little things he does. He gets the system, too. There was, there was a play last night, Dane, where I think Nas had the ball in the corner by the bench, and he started to back a guy down. Shot clock's running down. No one's moving except Nikhil from the other corner, cuts to the basket, gets a pass from Nas, easy dunk. Those two guys and their basketball IQ just helps make this whole thing work, and it's it really is like beautiful basketball. I, I think to, to tie that all together, the three things you talked about there was the, was the Nas and Rudy pairing. Yep. Um, and Nas thriving in that. Yep. Uh Nas and Nikhil being able to play together, which was something Britt and I talked about uh, a lot on the last episode where, again, I kind of had this, I think there needs to be more Nas. How do you activate more Nas? And Britt was like, well, you run more pick and roll, so you have to play Jordan McLaughlin. And I just kind of knew or assumed that Jordan McLaughlin just wasn't going to be, you know, a part of this rotation. It's just too deep right now. Like Shake Milton's out of the rotation now too. So, but that doesn't mean Brit's wrong mm -hmm. in that Nas might need pick and roll to be able to get off a little bit more offensively. So if J-Mac is not an option and he's not going to play with Mike Conley all that often because Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert are glued to each other, it needs to be Nikhil. That needs to be kind of like Nikhil can help Nas go. Uh, offensively, he can insulate him defensively, some too. And I thought the, the turning point of that game was... Rudy picks up his third foul in the second quarter. I think it was it was like seven minutes and twenty seconds left in the in the second quarter. So a lot of time there, and you're mm -hmm. like, uh oh, you know, you, you, you're kind of assuming another one of those seventeen to two Luca runs, and the exact opposite thing happened. They ended up getting to that cat, Nas, um, Nikhil. What was it? Uh, Ant and sorry, I have this written down. Yeah, Cat, Nas, McDaniel's, Edwards, Alexander, Walker lineup, and that totally saved that second quarter. Once Rudy, arguably this team's most impactful player thus far this season, was going to be removed from the game, and I think they went on like a twenty to six run, twenty to seven run, something like that. 
and it brought the game. They were down by 11 when that group got in and made that run. And by the end of halftime, it was a one point game. And so just to, to that and that they're finding combinations there that don't include um, Rudy Gobert, that is effective on both sides of the ball as it was as it was last night. That that's really encouraging. And the both sides of the ball being also they needed to score points at that time to get back into the game. They were they were down eleven, and you're probably gonna like score points in bunches more often with Nas on the floor than you are with Rudy on the floor. Obviously, you make a great defensive sacrifice, but they they have that in the arsenal um, is, is big and that it showed up. I thought exactly uh, when they, when they needed it was again, further Testament to Nas, but that whole group, it Mm -hmm. just really uh, congealed together. Well, Nikhil also gave Jaden some break on the ball, you know, occasionally guarding Luke or just overall uh, defensive support there. So yeah, not, not starters on this team, but it's like, it's almost pejorative to like refer to Nikhil Alexander Walker and Nas Reed as bench guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's their impact on this team, given the construction of the roster makes them, I don't know, like extensions of, of the starting lineup because you need to find these, these different lineup combinations. And those two this season are unlocking more lineup combinations that don't just survive, but um, can, can really make a run. I thought that was huge. I thought that was, remember when Jim and Grady were talking about after the game, they're like, what broke Dallas in this game? And they were like, was it Nas' shooting? You know, they're just kind of thinking about on the spot. Like, that's the answer. It was, yeah. it was that, it was that lineup at the end of the second quarter when Rudy uh, was in foul trouble that I think totally, totally turned the game. It didn't give the Wolves the lead, but it got them back to tied. And then in the third quarter, they kind of did their third, their third quarter thing. So just liked how those things all weaved together last night. Yeah, I liked how you just talked about describing them as bench guys, right? Yeah. Like that would be like if I was like a like a Tennessee Volunteer fan and we finished fourth in the SEC. It's like, yeah, but we're in the SEC. Like the Wolves right now, their rotation is like, and this is one of the things we've talked about last year, and it only got more enhanced this year, is that they are. And I saw some pushback on this, but so feel free if you want to as well. This is the deepest team in the NBA, not because I cover it or you cover it. Because last night, Nas Reed and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, two guys off the bench from Minnesota that had a big impact, would have simply just started over Dante Exum and Derek Jones Jr. Right? Like, I mean, that's just those. I mean, like, who, who would you rather have right now just with a bullet, Nas Reed or Grant Williams? No, Nas. Yeah, yeah. Right? So he starts over Grant And again, I know. And then that, that's a higher bar than, Der- I mean, the, the Derek Jones Jr. Right, Dante I, Exum one. And, and, you know, credit to Dante Exum. He's actually been playing well recently. But, like, yeah, that 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 one's, like, clear. I think... Some people, you know, who are not watching the Wolves all the time, or you just take the national look, you're like, oh, you know, Grant Williams, good defender, 40% or high 30s, three point shooter. Boston. <laughs> yeah, I mean? exactly. For sure. For sure. And, and like, and that is still the thing with Nas is he is not a consistent, reliable defender. Right. And, and that's in theory the, the next level for him. Uh, he's also being asked to play the wing this Mm -hmm, year mm -hmm. and it's a guy who's played in the action and pick and roll coverage his first four years of his career so um that he's not a massive sore thumb defending on the perimeter right now i think that's even a win but Nas isn't like a super plus defensive player but if he can be 
average defensively, which is less than Grant Williams is defensively. Sure. Um, that's okay because this, this offensive ceiling that he has and the multitude of ways that Nas can generate offense. We're talking about the three point shot. We're talking about the post up. We're talking about the pass. We're talking about his ability to attack in isolation. Like the bandwidth of, of Nas's offensive game for a bench player is as about as big as, you know, it's, it's kind of like it, in a weird way, it reminds me of like Malik Monk with the Kings, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, and that, and that's what we're talking. We're talking about like those super impactful, often offensive leaning six men, like, yeah, your Nas man, fits that archetype. Your six man, you don't win six man of the year for coming in and shutting guys down. Yeah. <laughs> when was like when was the last defensive stopper that came in and, and won that cool. award? That but I cool. will say, <laughs> I, I will say too, just like the Nas Reed being able to start on so many teams, it's just you you do look around the league again and you see some of the very limited players that start or play, and it's just you come back to Minnesota and it's like it's incredible what they can do. And also, too, if Nas Reed was a plus defender, he would have gotten four for eighty from the Rockets. Right, like so. If there, there are these little warts on his game that mm-hmm. you would hope continue to develop, but I don't know. I, I don't know if this team. Maybe you can disagree, but I don't know if the team lacks extra defense. The team, no, no, no. what you talked yeah. about all week so with Chris and, yeah. and Jason and Britt was, what do they do when Ant's not on? And like, and maybe Carlson Falter, like, who is? Does this mm-hmm. team have a third, pack, a third person in the pecking order to score? And yeah. mostly, it's been done collaboratively. Where Mike Mike might get you sixteen points, or maybe Jaden goes off for seventeen. The most consistent person you can probably rely on is Nas to just come in. He he's almost like a three level scorer with the way he kind of backs you down and can hit that mm-hmm. little hook shot. So, yeah, those two guys again just came in last night. You you also I'm just curious, kind of jumping around, but you got a good glimpse last night of before the trade deadline, before any moves could be possibly made. That's kind of like the nine man rotation now. Yeah, right. yeah, that's that's a good that's a good thing to hit on. And right, wrap like up Shake on Shake that. Milton, yeah. who did have a good couple games, kind of spotting for Ant, uh, has come on a little bit. But Troy Brown Jr. was the least played member of the rotation last night. You got mm-hmm. 15 minutes, you know, hit a couple shots, but you saw what it looks like at full strength last night. Not only from a starting lineup with the five that yeah. actually haven't played together that much. <laughs> Alan Horton and I kind of pointed that out. They actually haven't played that many games together yet. But then it's going to be Kyle. It's going to be Shea, or uh, Nikhil, and it's going to be Nas off the bench. So the Jordan McLaughlin stuff, that that's all just not really important when this team is at full mm-hmm. strength because they have an eight-man, maybe eight-and-a-half-man rotation. Yeah, and don't you think that, like, the archetype of player that Troy Brown Jr. is, and like, fits a 12-minutes-a-night role yeah, more than sure. mm-hmm. the, in theory, bucket-getter-playmaking archetype that Shake is? Like, to defend Shake, which I'm... Not really sure what I'm doing, but like it that that job is hard in really limited minutes. It's kind of like why oftentimes the playmaker bucket getter off the bench is the sixth man in that mm-hmm. they're they get like 25 minutes a night because I do kind of believe you need a little bit more of a rhythm to impact the game in that sort of way. Whereas like Troy is just your like perimeter spacer and mm-hmm solid on on defense like you can i think finch feels that he can go to that for three four minutes and know that troy is going to provide that now he's not going to make the shots every single game no no non-elite shooter is going to that hurt them in the pelicans game some but i just feel like there's a repeatability 
to Troy Brown Jr. that makes more sense in this ninth man role for 12, 14 minutes a night uh, than, than Shake does. But I, I said this before. I mean, we've been like theoretically ripping Shake out of this rotation for like three weeks now. And what I've said at some of those times, like, I think there's going to come a time where you need Shake. Oh, for and, sure. And and in like and not in a 12 minute role, like in a 22 minute role where, you know, injuries, rest, whatever happens. And you this team does need offensive juice and particularly will if somebody's missing in that game. Shake is still probably your most likely guy to get that from of the non rotation players like pretty easily. We talked about this, uh, Phil and I, the other day at Flagrant Howls. But if you go back and look at Shake's biggest performances last year in Philly, most of them kind of came as like Harden was out, oh, yeah. and they're just kind of like, "Hey, can you just be James Harden tonight?" And he would ha- <laughs> he would he would post big numbers across the board. Yeah, he averaged he like twenty two a game and starts right, and so he might just be the break glass in case of emergency thing for Ant. Right, it's like, hey, you might just not play a bunch, but if Ant's out, mm-hmm. just go in and try to be Ant. Like we know you're not going to be just like we know you can't yeah. be James Harden, but just let it fly, you know, dominate the ball in a lot of sense. Uh, but at this, Get downhill. Yes, yes, yes. And that's when he's downhill, on his best, downhill, right? Like yes. in transition, getting downhill. But this mm-hmm. team at, at, at full strength, which is, you know, still the biggest story last night, right? Like they are now at full strength again. Yeah. The injury report is just a bunch of guys that you don't really expect to be playing. But I will say it is kind of funny because you came into this season thinking not only about the regular season, but the playoffs of like, oh, my God, they have – all these power forwards and centers in a traditional sense. But we started talking about with Nas. I kind of want to talk about Kyle for a sec. It seems like a lot of guys, we've been able to downshift a position. So now we're talking about Kyle and Nas as like a three. Mm-hmm. So now there's like a little more wiggle room to find playing time for them. And you can shift Ant and Nikhil down to like a point guard. Like, so it's not as bad as you think. They just play at all five positions. Dan Devine from the ringer had a great start on this day. They yeah, just that was play. really they, good. They, that they was can, really good. Yeah, if you that. haven't, go Dan Devine on Twitter. Go read it. It's a very in-depth, very Big picture, propaganda-wise, like the Wolves are legitimately good, and this is why. Mm-hmm. But he talks about the size. They yeah. just can throw so much size, and that's what kind of brings back to Troy Brown. Is like Troy Brown has size. So you spot him in there. Uh, they just have this crazy ability to put length and size and some speed at all five positions. And whether it be defensively or offensively, it it does start to. Last night was like, again, the boxing analogy of just take the punches early, lean into what you do best. And, I mean, they won by 18 points in a game. They were down 17-2. to two. Uh, I think Alan Horton actually had this, too, that that was the biggest, like, point differential change of the season. Who are these guys? Like, what, I'm not, like, I'm not, like, the, but how many times, how many years have you covered a team where the Wolves are up 17-2? to two? And they lose 119 to 101, like, I don't know, every year of my existence. So, yeah, the full strength, this rotation, it, and there's still some things, too. Like, I don't know, what what can we just do, like, a 30-second Kyle Anderson talk yeah. quick? Just, like, what do you – because he's the guy, too, that I always – I don't ever want to lose Kyle, but there are those conversations that we don't want to have now because we're in the moment and we're where our feet are. But can, you know, Kyle, Actually, can we shelve that for what yeah. we're talking about, the yeah, trade okay. deadline okay. stuff? Um, and I, you know, and I want, I want to talk about Kyle. I just don't want to get too far into this before uh, talking about Ant and and his okay, game. I thought yeah. it was, a, I thought it was yeah. a really uh, unique game. So grab a break here, and we'll be back with uh, Kyle to uh, get into Ant's game. Today's show is brought to you by Doer Jeans, D U E R, and I'm excited to tell you about Doer Jeans because. 
It's the type of clothing that I wear, professional and polished, but comfortable. I'm excited to wear my Dewar Performance Denim jeans to the next Wolves home game. And I really think you're going to want your own pair of Dewar jeans because I just promise you they become that pair of pants that when you open the drawer, you choose them over and over again because you love the way they feel. Dewar jeans are durable and flexible without sacrificing comfort or style. Plus, they're antibacterial, which equals less washing. They have temperature-regulating fabrics for all-day and all-weather comfort. And the all-weather performance denim is wind and water repellent, while the fireside denim is fleece-lined and great for staying warm. Dewar clothes are sustainably crafted to last a long time, so I know they'll be a staple in my closet for years to come. Dewar jeans are one of a kind. They'll make a great holiday gift for you and for those on your holiday list. You can check out Dewar's flagship stores in LA or Denver or online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. You will want to take advantage of this because Dewar never goes on sale. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Kyle. Um, Anthony Edwards in this game was 3 of 19 from the field and led the team in plus minus and that is not the first time that that has happened this season where ant has a terrible shooting game he's not able to get to any of his individual ant stuff um but when those games have happened he has found his playmaking i'm trying to remember what the the last game was that this happened too but last night was 11 assists Mm-hmm. And and it and it was the playmaking throughout the night, even even early, you know, in the game, he was kind of and maybe part of it was still half coming back from the hit pointer where he looked like he was first trying to get others going. And that's kind of when the deficit fell to 17 to two. And then he kind of turned it on for a little bit, uh, made a couple buckets there midway through the first quarter. 
um, and then kind of settled into more of a playmaking role as like, okay, we can all take a deep breath. This game is like what was once 17 to two. It's now like 19 to 13 or something. And um, I'm just in, impressed with his ability to you know, be able to do that because the Toronto game, the season opener wasn't that right. It was just mm-hmm. the bad shooting and, and it kind of sunk him in, in that game, but that ant can have this type of impact by making like that play he made for Mike Conley in the corner that everyone saw at the end of the game. Um, that is huge to have be a player that has draws that much attention. So you making your teammates that open, but it's even to me more than like the technical um, X's nose, what he's breaking down, how he's forcing the defense to adjust. There's something that's really cool about Ant in that he's one of those guys who like seems to genuinely not be bogged down by the fact that he's only made three of the 15 shots he's taken, you know, mm-hmm. and the energy and the confidence and kind of the way where he's an energizer for, for the rest of the group doesn't really, doesn't really go away. Or it, at least in this game, you know, it, it was there through the poor shooting and, and there's just, there's a, I don't know, like an existential value to that. And and that really popped after he hit Mike in the corner. You saw him run into the bench, and he's just his giddy self. And, you know, you would have never thought watching that clip that that dude had one of his worst shooting nights of his career, you know? And, and that he has that ability to compartmentalize and stay committed and positive. There's just there's just a ton of value in that. That pass, that knockout punch mm-hmm. to Mike Conley in the corner. Yeah. Someone's got to clip him if they if they have the time. It was step for step, the exact same motions, body language, everything as the pass to Mike in the corner against Golden State. Mm-hmm. You know, like he kind of got to the kind of the elbow pump faked. I thought he was gonna go like T Mac off off the glass, like the all-star game, (laughs) gets his guy in the air, comes in, and then just finds Mike in the corner. And listen, neither you or I have kids, but it the Anthony Edwards story, as cool as the Nas Reed story is, the Ant story is just tenfold because it kind of feels like co-parenting. Like this is, we watched this kid come into the league, and he was a kid. He came into the league, and we, we, we did have, I guess, legit questions. Does he even like the sport that he's getting drafted into? And then we just talk about him all the time as we cover the team. And everything we talk about, and we're like, oh, you know, for him to get to that next level, he's got to do this. And for him to get to this next level, he's got to do this. He's doing it, <laughs> right? Like he's, and he's 22 years old. So last night to have a three for 19 shooting performance, there's just a lot of other guards in the league that that just brings their team down. Mm-hmm. And he didn't need to rebound last night. Carl and Rudy combined for 29 rebounds. They almost out-rebounded the entire Mavericks team. But what he needed to do last night was, any ant shot is still a good shot, in my opinion, because he is so dangerous and teams throw so many different coverages at him that he was just like, oh, I just need to get double-digit assists. And he had, there was a couple passes to Nas, a couple passes in transition, like when he was getting out there. He was just like, I just need to do this tonight for us to win. And that stuff, man, is like all NBA super-duper star where it's like, hey, my my this tool in my tool bag is not working tonight, but I'll just do this and it's going to help my team win. And incredible, incredible stuff for four years now, right? This is season four to just watch this kid come in and literally be kind of malleable 
And to see him become an all-star, to see him become a movie star, to see him have a shoe drop tomorrow, uh, it's impressive stuff. And he also was pretty good defensively last night. There's a couple clips of a possession or two where he's just like, I'm just going to take Luca, and I'm going to take him out of the play. I'm not going to let him get in the paint. I'm going to make him kind of rely on someone else. And I think that stuff frustrates Luca too because he can get by Jaden and then use – he just weighs more than Jaden. He can't do that to Ant. He can't bump Ant off his spot. Uh and I don't really have anything smart to say. I just I love watching him. And it's, it's incredible to watch him continue to grow. And I do ask myself sometimes, you know, to see him go toe-to-toe with Tatum, right? Or to see him go toe-to-toe with some of these guys who are the premier faces of the league right now. He's five, six years younger than him. Like, what is, what is Anthony Edwards at 27? He might, be, he might literally be the best basketball player on planet Earth. I love the recognition. Like, I think he kind of picked up that and we've talked about Nas plenty, but like he, he recognized that he recognized what we recognized too. Like this is a good place to put, push the offense through or to just play through the flow of Nas. And I think he also recognized like Carl was having, you know, it's not a huge like scoring stat with like Carl 21, right? 21 mm-hmm. and 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think he kind of is as a really good, like internal calculator of, what the other offensive weapons are doing and feeling and and seeing Nas and Cat kind of having that offensive rhythm. I think he knows that he can turn that dial down of his individual scoring more and become the playmaker and then know that he can turn it back up at the end of the game if if need be. Uh, I just think that sorry. <laughs> Bless, I was trying to try to hold that in. I didn't even get the, I didn't even get the, the sneeze button off that I was trying to finish my my aunt take there, but do you know what I'm saying? Just kind of being able to, I'm so sorry. I just sneezed in everybody's ear right there, but no, the... but uh, l- let me, let me take the, <laughs> let me take the baton. Cause Brit, Brit, we're all watching the game from home last night. Right. Other than like Chris and John, they were there and Brit had something late in the game that I thought also resonated through the TV a little bit. I mean, I, I'm like state propaganda right now for how much I enjoy watching this kid play and his growth and his development and everything he's done, his ho- overall portfolio as a human. But that could make him, like, he, he could hear that and be like, yeah, I am the shit, <laughs> right? And you see the way he reacts last night in the moment to Chris Finch and Mike Conley, but the way he also talks about those two in press conferences, at practice, at shoot around, whatever. He has such a respect for those two people. I've always kind of compared the Chris Finch-Ant relationship to like a father-son thing in a way, but that ability to remain level-headed and not just try to be like, hey, I'm going against Luka tonight, face of the league, whatever, I'm just going to continue to shoot myself. I mean, there's, I could have seen other guards in Ant spot just take 29 shots. And like, I will, I will make some of these at some point. Yes, three for 19 is still pretty egregious, but those 11 assists were all, I mean, obviously an assist is the winning play, but they were all really winning plays. And then the plus minus stuff, which is hit or miss sometimes, I don't think it was a miss last night. He was kind of the most overall impactful player on the court, especially in a night when Rudy didn't really have it or it wasn't a Rudy game. So, I don't know. I just I, I think the way that this team and their leadership and the way they kind of all just naturally revolve around Mike Conley, who I don't know if he even wants to be the full on leader of this team, but it is kind of Mike Conley's team. He is the extension of Chris Finch on the court. It's just all great stuff. And it's not things that you would maybe talk about in X's nose and analytics and second spectrum and stuff, but that that psychology and the way that this team gels and understands one another and knows, like you said, Carl might be cooking a little bit tonight. Let me just get Carl the ball more. Let me get Nas the ball in space. 
uh, those are the types of things that make this sustainable, and that's how you become like a real contender, right? Because you can have nights where you just blow teams out, but it's when you start to grind teams out, and that's what this team has done pretty much all year. Like their wins are just grinding teams out and making more smart winning plays in the fourth quarter and the second half than the other the other teams. So I don't know. I'm just kind of at a loss for words watching this kid play. There's still meat on the bone for Ant as well, but uh, the 11 assists last night just stood out. Like, that was the first thing that popped on a box score that had a lot of big numbers was that this kid just went into playmaking mode, went into young Devin Booker point guard mode, and it was very successful. Let's do the the Kyle Anderson part, and then let's let's get into the setting the table for for trade season uh, elements of, of this episode because I think those two sort of tie together. I think when trade season comes along, um, you know, because we all get big eyes, right, at at the trade deadline time, um, and you it, you start looking for the like fourteen, fifteen million dollar players, not the like little six million dollar bit role player. And basically, to get there, and we'll get into this, to get to the fourteen, fifteen million dollar player, to get the Tyus Jones, right, as some people will be pining for, Kyle Anderson needs to be in that trade. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we had this Kyle Anderson game, which we can get into first uh, last night before we talk about that, because we, we, we've hit on it, man. Like it's a it's a problem that in ways that that Kyle is not um, shooting and spacing the floor anymore. Uh, it's it's one of those situations where I think that's is a pretty big part of why Troy Brown Jr. is in the Troy Brown Jr. is in the rotation rather than Shake Milton, because whoever those whichever one of those two are in, they're often going to be in with Kyle Anderson. And it was getting to the point, given that Kyle is no longer shooting threes, um, that it was getting problematic when Shake was out there because mm-hmm. he was, you know, is not the shooter that Troy Brown Jr. is. So I say that to establish, like, that's what Kyle's not doing this year. And and yeah, like, it, the, the floater game hasn't been immaculate like it was last season. But there is a consistency to Kyle and... And I think what is fueling so much of the idea of the, you know, some of the reactive people are like, you know, trade him or, or this or that or what, like Kyle Anderson's a problem. The intangible part of it or the less obvious elements like you got to with his might be as good of an option and guarding Luca as anybody on this team. He's coming off of being one of the most impactful defensive players uh, in the NBA last season by most catch all defensive metrics and is having another good defensive season. So I would just to like when that, because this thought creeps up for me too, like when you're thinking, man, I don't know if this team needs Kyle Anderson or Kyle Anderson feels like he's hurting this team right now. What he does defensively that we, all of us probably can't really pick up on the fly is very valuable. There is you were talking about Mike Conley from a leadership and a personality element of this. Um, there is a great value in that, that we can't not being on the roster mm-hmm. fully appreciate. And I think the evidence for that is Chris Finch is not phased by Kyle. Like he would, would he yeah. like Kyle Anderson to be shooting 40% from the corners on one and a half threes a game? Yes, of course. Finch would like that. But in his mind, he it is like, I'm not going to stop playing Kyle because he's stopped shooting threes or stopped making threes. There is, that is the evidence I think is that if you want to 
not play Kyle Anderson or if you want to trade Kyle Anderson, you're going to have to pry him from Chris Finch's cold, dead fingers because that dude wants Kyle Anderson on the floor you know, pretty much as much as possible. So I say that to mean like, let's acknowledge what Kyle Anderson isn't doing this year. It's not the player that he was last season. He's playing a different position. Maybe something's going on with the eye. There's clearly something going on with the shot, but to dismiss his value completely, I think is would be us uh, being overly reactive, swinging one, uh, one way or the other with it. So I say that to, to lead into to Kyle Anderson, who I know you wanted to talk about too. No, I just, I, I think he is the most interesting person to talk about for everything you just said. Uh, I do think Kyle Anderson is like Chris Finch's cruise control. That like if Chris Finch was driving on a road trip and he's got four kids and they're starting to lose their shit in the back, like he can put Kyle Anderson on and turn around and start like lecturing him or like, get everything in order. Like when things aren't going well and Ant's out of, out of control or Nas has a couple turnovers. Like an iPad field. to a five-year-old. Yes, yes. Yeah. Kyle Anderson is an iPad to a five-year-old. So it does – I mean, and you can see it, right? Like, I love watching Finch just from, like, a managerial nerd standpoint of, like, when he starts to lose his mind. And I've talked about his hair. And he gets – he'll just like, – Kyle, just go in there. He might not even have, like, a purpose or, like, a set mm-hmm. of plays or whatever. He just – you might not even tell Kyle who to sub in for. Just like, Kyle, go pick someone and let's 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 get the <laughs> iPad out. Uh, because, yeah, from a box score standpoint – and this is as we now navigate to, yes, today is December 15th. A lot of the guys, maybe – most of the guys, not everyone, but – People that signed contracts this summer are now eligible to be traded. So the trade pool is much, much deeper. That's why today you're going to start to see a lot of articles. And we are going to basically sprint because I think it's less than two months. I think the deadline is before Valentine's Day. So we have seven, eight weeks now of trade deadline stuff. And from a fan perspective specifically, but you can attest to this as well, the Wolves have just always been sellers. So when you're a seller, you just have items and people give you money for them and then you just give them away. As buyers, which is what this team will probably be, you do kind of have to give something to get something, right? And sure. this, the way this team is financially constructed, ironically, they don't have a lot to give, <laughs> right? I mean, because most of the guys from Mike, I mean, I guess technically Mike, who isn't expiring, but Anthony Edwards, Jay McDaniels, Nas Reed, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, those guys are all just staples. And then you're, you're young It assets. leads you to think about Kyle Anderson, and Which is, young. I think you put that as a one of your bold predictions, right? And like it had before nothing the to season. do with not, yeah. us Kyle's got to stick together, but there's, <laughs> it just has to do with the fact that he has a good number and is also, I mean, the, I guess my biggest fear, man, would be trading Kyle Anderson to a team that's also good because right. he's going to make them better, you know? But is there a way, as you start to look at that rotation, right, and you start to figure out it's probably not going to be nine in the playoffs? I know I'm getting very yeah. ahead of my skis here, but... It's it. You just kind of play your guys more minutes, right? So if you have a bench and the four guys that are kind of locks, or I guess three, and then and Troy would be you know Nikhil, Kyle, and Nas Reed. But you also want to get a little shake in there. You also want to get Troy Brown. Is there a way to consolidate some of those guys, like a Kyle Anderson and a Shake Milton, to just get a player that kind of does both? <laughs> you know, like I don't I don't think I think he's on a minimum, so it doesn't make sense. But I've always thought if you just swapped out. Eric Gordon and Kyle Anderson, that both the Suns and the Wolves would be better off because the Wolves would have this extra spacing. And I mean, Eric Gordon could just play point. And then for the Suns, you would just have this way better Akogi that can set the table, get a bucket here and there. Uh, that's not a deal that's going to make sense and salaries and stuff, but it is something they have to think about because if you're anti trading Kyle, which I, I probably am, 
and I would imagine a lot of fans are, and maybe Finch is, you're, you're not going to get Tyus Jones. You're not going to be able to really make a large impact. You're going to have to be, which is also crazy too, the Timberwolves are going to be like in the buyout market. Imagine a team signing here trying to win a ring. Like, <laughs> I, need to, I need some cold water, but it, it just, it's going to limit them if they don't at least flirt with the idea of putting him in a deal. And it's crazy because I don't know how to think. He has been great defensively. His box score will never pop, but he just is a stable adult that they can throw out there on top of Mike Conley, on top of these other guys. And I don't know what they'll do, and we still have long ways to go to figure it out, but he has to be included. He has to be mentioned as much as he's been great because not only is he a nice number in a trade, not only is he a valuable person for their team, and I don't want to do this stuff now, but you do have to have one half of an eyeball on summer 2024. And if you know that you're not going to keep Kyle and you're not going to, or you're not going to be able to keep Kyle and Mike, you probably have to make a decision here in the next seven or eight weeks and not wait until June and July. Kyle, let's do it. Let's, let's set the table for the Leonard Miller the is off season. limits. <laughs> okay. No, you go. No, I, and, and so we were texting about wanting to, to do this because it's December 15th and now everybody's trade eligible. Like just, I mean, it's going to be pretty basic, and this is something, honestly, that all of you could just do by going to Spotrack and looking up <laughs> the, what the what the Wolves' salaries are. Uh, this is not going to be complicated math, uh, but you know, I, I want to talk about what the maybe potentially tradable contracts are on this team and have us shape up a more realistic vision of what contract of a player they could they could take back and i think we do that by you know labeling the the players who potentially could get traded off of the wolves and your natural inclination right is to scratch off the seven guys that you talked about and you know look at maybe more of the expiring type contracts and kyle anderson is on a one-year 9.2 million dollar expiring contract so that's some value you could put against a matching salary. Shake Milton, one year, five million. Trey Brown Jr., one year, four million. Uh, Wendell Moore Jr. has two years and five million uh, committed to on his contract. So the matching salary on that is about two and a half million. And I put Jordan McLaughlin on there too at 2.3 million. So it's like, it's one of, we always need to remember this and like half the fake trades I get sent to me are like, okay, five players going out from the Wolves to get one player back. Like, we can't do Kyle nine, Shake five, Troy four, Wendell two and a half, Jordan two and a half, and be like, all right, what $21 million player are the Wolves, you know, going to take back in the situation? That's just 99% of the time, not how that works. So how I'm thinking about it is what do a combination of two of them together equal? Yeah. And and on I put Kyle on there because whatever, he can he can be on there and if we want to talk about the Tyus Jones, we want to talk about trading for players who are making, you know, over $10 million, 10 to $15 million. Again, like we said before, Kyle Anderson needs to be in that trade. So you have him there. Like you can, you could do Kyle Anderson and shake Milton and that's 14.2 million. Again, Tyus Jones makes 14. Uh, I think more realistically though, we're talking about a combination of maybe shake and Troy Brown. And that's nine, you know, which, you now do not have enough matching salary to, you know, go get a, a Tyus Jones. Not that you couldn't maybe make it happen, but I, I don't you agree that this is the right way to do it is like just putting two together and getting a number, two of the Wolves players together to get a number that could be outgoing. Yeah, because the one thing that does drive me crazy too is that this isn't 2K. 
So every day, every team right now in the league has at least probably 14 roster spots filled. Yeah. So yes, you can't go into your garage and find all the shit that you don't want and then just like give it to your neighbor and get their couch because they probably <laughs> have a lot of shit in their garage too. So that's not going to work. Right. Uh, I also, th- I, there's two other components. There's everything you said was right. You're smart, whatever. I also want to factor in that if you had to throw in any prospect, you probably got to throw Wendell Moore's name in there. I know he's done probably nothing here, but like that's if you're a really bad team, like if you're the Spurs, I don't know what a Spurs Wolves trade looks like, but maybe you kick the tires on, hey, Wendell Moore went to Duke. He was a first round pick, whatever. Um, that type of thing. And then also, too, and you can speak on this better than I can, you need to, or we need to review quickly or at least mention that they're damn near impossible to trade any picks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You know I, mean? I mean, so that, that, yeah, that's the thing. That's what I'm thinking about. It's like, okay, so if it's Shake and Troy, that's 9 million matching. Like, it's not necessarily a valuable nine million mm-hmm. that you're mm-hmm. offering somebody for, you know, do another backup point guard, Monte Morris, right? Like, I don't think the Wizards will be like, yep, Trey Brown and Shake Milton for Monte Morris, cool, we're good. Like, where I'm just trying to establish how do we match the salaries, and then it's the unknowable element of the negotiation on our side of how many pick assets do you need to attach to that, and um, that's the most important element of this to, to making a trade. Right. It's just, we don't know that. Right. So I don't really like when people say, you know, Shake Milton and Troy Brown jr. For Monte Morris and picks kind of matters. You know, or I guess shake Troy and picks for Monte Morris. It's like, well, how many picks that kind of makes a difference. But um, I think that's what we're talking about is a second, multiple seconds, uh, depending on, on the, the quality of player. I think the bigger question here, though, or the starting point, if we want to start thinking about a trade for the Wolves, is what are you trying to get back? Yeah, Because you're probably that's... getting back a, a not one skill guy, but as a predominantly one, does one thing well. And I think the three options there are a movement shooter. Um, I I said Malik Beasley before, just so Wolves fans could kind of picture that, like that, that he's on a minimum and... I don't think he's leaving the Bucks. He's he's starting for them. But it's guys like Landry Shamit, you know, like that archetype of player, right? Somebody who can hunt space and hit shots. Um, and 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 probably comes with weaknesses other than that. Movement shooter, backup point guard, or bucket giver. Those are the those are the three types of players I could see the Wolves um pursuing uh, at the deadline. And I think it's just an interesting conversation, probably a fitting conversation for December 15th of like, Kyle, what do you think if you could only choose one of those three styles of player would be most valuable to this team? Shooting, 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 and shooting. Just an ability to have someone else. I mean, also too, we need, I'm just asking you, you're very smart, but do you know where Monte, do you know who Monte Morris plays for? The Pistons, right? Okay. I don't think a lot of people would, I think they would have still thought. And he's also like out until. He's on a six to eight week uh, quad strain that was announced a couple weeks ago. So like he might not even be available. I just, I'm throwing myself under the bus because we, once trade season picks up, we kind of think about all the guys that used to be rumored, right? Like, oh, Bones Highland. It's like, is he in the league? Monte Morris, like from the Wizards. Like actually he's in Detroit and I didn't know any of that stuff. So yeah, it's, it, I do, even with Nas, going seven for 11 or last night and career high from three and, and Carl's ability to space the floor and Ant and obviously Jaden will get back. And Mike, I still watch this team every night and think they don't have enough shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of why I brought like an Eric Gordon comp 
Yeah. Um, again, I, that doesn't. Really I'll say fit. that that's my answer too. I, okay. I would I would say I would say movement shooter. Um, I think the backup point guard idea will be bandied about in the fan base and probably in the front office as well. But I'm also just kind of thinking about it of like, you pro- if you only get one of these three archetypes of player coming in, as much as I we complain about the lack of you know point guard play on this team. I just don't know if you go and trade for a point guard lower than Tyus Jones level. Like, what's the difference between that player that you get back and Jordan McLaughlin? They're probably better. No, that that's like a, you know what I'm saying. That's like, a backup that? quarterback conversation in football, right? It's like Jordan McLaughlin <clears throat> just knows our offense better. Yeah. Is Monte mm-hmm. Morris that? Like, I know it was fun last year, but we didn't really know about Mike Conley last year. We didn't. Mike Conley didn't exist on this team. Is is. Are the guys Jordan you McLaughlin, named? Nick Mullins, and yeah, yeah, yeah. like he <laughs> Easton Stick. Like, are those is Jordan McLaughlin just know the offense a more trustworthy yeah. option? I still come back to, despite Mike Conley probably being the least valuable member of the starting five in terms of just I don't know everything, yeah. that this team without Mike in a playoff game, like he would be the biggest wart. <laughs> like, I think if Ant was out with a hip strain in game two, you could find ways to figure it out. Without Mike, that changes everything, right? Like, what would your yeah. – off the top of your head be like, are you going to start Kyle? Like, Jordan McLaughlin's not going to play mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So, no, I, I do think it's a movement shooter. I think just – and Troy Brown is giving you a little bit of that, right? Like, there's been two or he, three – He's more spot up than movement. Maybe okay. we should define that. that like, one play, though, where he came off that high yeah, – it was true. like 20 points. He, he's, but... not, he's not no movement. I, I just – I think, again, to Wolves fans or for us, like the most recent movement shooter that we've watched a ton is Malik Beasley. Like I, I'm saying, pick, picture that, yeah. But like Malik, Malik did it to the point where you were like, "This is still a positive proposition." He's a zero on defense, but he's such a great hunter of space combined with a quick release, whatever you know. Like that, I think would serve some utility on this team. Honestly, more utility than it did three years ago because the Wolves are in this interesting spot at the trade deadline where how many teams are like cool with adding an offensive player who's going to hurt them defensively. Like in theory, the wolves are the one team who you could be mm-hmm. like, yeah, actually, you know, we're, we're kind of cool with like bones Highland. Cause we feel like we could, you know, we could hide some of his defensive warts or maybe a lot of movement shooters are smaller, whatever are not strong um, defensive players. Like this, the wolves are in a unique situation there where the, just like in the market, there's, it's hard for teams to be really willing to pay for that all offense, no defense guy, because you know, most team, all teams in the league are not as good at defense as the wolves are. Mm -hmm. And, and I just, that, that's a, that's an interesting element uh, to this too. That might help the price point uh, in different ways. We're both in a movement shooter. I think we've put a line through backup point guard. I think if we put Finch on truth serum, his answer would be bucket getter. Do you, do you know, this is the most simple way to look at this, but I just went to, like, the ESPN app, and I just went to stats, and three-pointers made, like, average per game. Just just curious. I was trying to find some names to be in that movement shooter thing. In terms of three-pointers made per game, the highest-ranking Timberwolves player is 52nd in Mike wow. Conley, and then 55th is Ant, and 71st is Carl. Like, there's guys like Matt Ryan up there, Isaiah Joe. That that's actually a fun, simple way to kind of go look at this. Is that yeah. yes, the Timberwolves are awesome defensively, and they have a bunch of what we would deem plus shooters. 
but they're I mean this is part of right this is a a fraction of the equation of the stagnant offense or whatever yeah, like however it's that they just part. don't have guys that can volume fill it up from deep so and and I don't know how specific were you trying to counter our take to what Finch would say in terms of a bucket getter can't those kind of be the same person or not I no I'm more thinking about like you're running like you're, okay. you're trying to get them downhill they're okay. trying to the, the Jalen Noel right like it's the better he's it's, available it's yeah it's the it's the better version of that um like again if if Finch could choose between all right I want uh 20% better Malik Beasley or 20% better Jalen Noel. Like I, I think, I mean, and I'm just, I'm, this is just my thought. Like I'm just going off of a pretty, I've covered him for a long time and just understanding what his frustrations are with what's not working. It's just the sense I get. I'm not, I like, nobody has told me this. Uh, I, I just get the sense that Finch would want that. And, and to that end, um, I know you kind of scoffed at like the Bones Highland idea. Again, I'm not going off of anything here. I I could see that. I, I could mm-hmm. see Finch finding a place for that in the rotation. I think evidenced by how much how long of a leash he gave Shake Milton, right? Like he he wants that. I think he feels like this team needs it. And to like do I personally agree with that to that extent? No, but I'm also the one here sitting here being like this team needs more offense. Yes. And and I and maybe that's what it does need more of is self-created offense in off of the bench more so than you need a spot up guy to be able to move into space so Carl can kick it to him when he's getting double teamed in the post. Like mm-hmm. that that's a need. If you're going to play through Carl in the post on this team, you need more shooting on the floor. You need probably need to add a movement shooter to to your team. But do we know that that's going to be a huge staple of this team? Like, right. I, I, I don't like it's always going to be part of Carl's game. But the Pelicans game was the only game that was like the Pelicans game and where they went to him over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's just because Ant wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. They went to that's not how they would have played the Pelicans mm-hmm. if, if, if Ant was was in that game, you know, and, and I actually thought like Carl had some turnovers out of it. I, I've seen worse games from Carl getting double in the post. Than that Pelicans game for sure. He was finding dudes who weren't making shots. And to that end, it's like, you know, maybe this is me kind of caught in the moment right now. I have that pretty fresh in my mind. I'm like, man, that team could have used a movement shooter. But am I looking at it through the lens of what that what this team needs when they're bad? Or am I looking at it through the lens of what this team could add when they're good? And maybe the answer to that is the bucket getter is now you have 48 minutes of Ant in theory, right? Like, not that if Bones Highland came in for the 15 minutes when Ant was off the floor that you would get Ant, but you would get that same style of uh, of, of play there. And I don't know. I, I don't know what, what their answer to it is. Maybe their answer is backup point guard. I don't know. Like, maybe that that's what it is too. But I think those are the three silos that mm-hmm. they're they'll be digging in come come trade season and then it comes down to like do we have the salaries to match for it and today is exciting because so many fans even ones that follow this team now they're like hey the team's actually good we don't have to talk about all that <laughs> other bullshit like draft and lottery and all stuff like we just get to talk about real basketball mm-hmm. but this is the glass half empty take on this is that this is another very very fine needle that 
Tim Conley and his front office has to thread. Yeah. Because, I mean, think of all the, like, if you did a pros and cons list of the trade deadline, a lot of the cons are like, not David cons, but are, we don't have a lot of assets, right? Most of our money is tied up into guys that are essentially foundation pieces or things we're going to think about next summer. We can't move a lot of, we can't move any first round picks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our young guys are either untouchable in my eyes, like a Leonard Miller or maybe a Josh Minot, or maybe just not good. Uh, that, you know, like in terms of uh, maybe one Del Moore, like, you know, what is, Luca Garza is not going to be the hottest name on the market. So how do you find a way to kind of consolidate what Kyle does well, what Shake does well, what, what Troy does well? And then can you even afford those guys or are they even available? Like you just kept talking and I was going through this list and I was thinking of guys like DeAnthony Melton. He would solve some of those things. He's untouchable. Like you're not going to get him from or not untouchable, but he's a big part of what Philly does. You know, you know who would be great, but it also fills this like pretty untouch, untouchable. I think Malik Monk would be great. Yes, yes, that's those are like way higher. I know, and and that's what I'm saying is like it's not going to be these guys that we think would be a great fit because you're trading a, like you're not getting Malik Monk if you're not trading a first, and this team can't trade a first. You know, so it's like we got to get down to this point of the prospectively adding players that get pretty Delon righty pretty quick, you know? And then, and then you have to ask yourself again on another con glass half empty is, is it even worth it? Like, is it even worth, like, is, is Monty Morris that much of an upgrade over Jordan McLaughlin? Two other names that I'm just kind of like scrolling through the index of the And and we're going to, we're going to do this. Obviously we got two months here. We're, there'll be, I mean, we'll do a pod at some point where we're like, here's five names. We'll, we'll dig in deeper. We're, we're just, again, setting the table here, but yeah, give me some more names. Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm, yeah. And then this one would be, tell me how this wouldn't be a perfect fit. But again, the Wolves can't afford him, and some other team will just offer probably a first. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know I mean? that, like, that just, that, yeah. But you know what I mean, though? Like, those are the names that you're going to cling to because you're like, oh, that guy could give me a backup point guard. He can get a bucket. He's been shoot- I've watched a lot of Blazer games, sadly, mm-hmm. and like he, he, he can fill it up a little bit. And he's also one of those leaders, again, that Finch would refer to as like a quarterback of just, you know, I trust you, figure mm-hmm. it out, run the guys. So that's another thing is that this team might – this is the best – what, 18-5? This is the best start to a Timberwolves season in 35 years. It's the most fun. They're really good. It might be sustainable. Uh, they might have a deep playoff run in them. And they might also be four hours before the deadline without any moves and just waiting for a buyout guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and the glass half full take simply, despite 42 cons, is that Tim Connolly – has always made has always been patient enough to just wait for the right time. And then Nikhil, Mike Conley, Delo trade is the best version of that is he waited right until the deadline, the Nas Reed extension, right? Like if he lets Nas sit for 48 more hours and goes into free agency, Nas probably isn't here. So that's from my perspective, at least is like the glass half full is, you know, they're talking about this. <laughs> they have a thousand front office members and they are trying to figure out, do we move early? Do we move late? And then also do we move? Because mm-hmm. this team, the chemistry and the continuity and all this stuff and understanding the system and and because the, because Kyle, it might like to make one of these moves that like you would feel confident would have an impact by the player you're coming back in that you're bringing back in some of those names that we've just said would be mm-hmm. awesome but are not possible they only become possible with the inclusion of at least Kyle Anderson and maybe like Nikhil Alexander Walker mm-hmm. like is. I mean, Nikhil's on a super cheap contract a, a year from now, too. If you maybe try to liquidate that into a pick, like, could you get a protected first? I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Could, 
to to get something really special, you're probably going to need to subtract from Kyle Anderson and or Nikhil Alexander Walker. And then to your point, like what has been the opportunity cost here at at that point? What do we gain um, by by even by losing two instrumental pieces, one or two instrumental pieces from it? So I think it's I think it's wise of you to bring up the like idea that you know, maybe it is nothing, you know, because what you would add would be somebody coming in somebody that's not that special is coming in midstream and might not be better than shake Milton or Jordan mm -hmm. McLaughlin, you know, or whatever like that, that, that could very well be the case. And then maybe it just is a buyout. The wolves do have this. We should say this too. They do have an open roster spot and they're about 2.3 million under okay, the, the luxury tax line. So yeah, like a mid season buyout, you could, you know, you could just use that 15th roster spot on, I haven't thought about that list at all. I mean, that that doesn't come into focus for a couple months, but but maybe that's maybe that is just the move. And you just go, yeah, sure, we got three seconds in the the Delo trade last year, but that's kind of all we got, you know. Maybe we need those to navigate some financial stuff this summer. Let's just get a let's just get a buyout guy and you know run it back, run it back in the middle of running it back, you know. Like that, that, that's that why could this be is so case. fascinating, though, is because mm -hmm. I just promoted how awesome the start of this season has both from a fun perspective and an actual standings perspective and there's like this short term versus long term there are some moves they could make in the next two months that would make everyone's life easier for the next four years yeah but do you want to do that that is yeah right that you know what I mean? is like, the difficult business question there's of, probably of a carl anthony towns trade discussion that would make 2024 through 2028 a little more palatable and easier to navigate there's no chance you can trade them. Yeah, you're the one seed of the West. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you could be like, oh, well, 24 to 28, that's Ant's prime. I've made that argument, you know, and back before this team was good, um, that maybe that made sense. But no, I even me, like when when you're looking at being the number one seed, you're not making a business decision for 2026 or a financial feasibility decision because, yeah, you. <laughs> they, I, I I'm not going to do that much with Carl stuff this whole time because that's just subtracting from the ceiling and then what are, why would a team that's the number one seed in the western conference subtract from their ceiling i was right? i was looking out for you i was trying to get that out there now so you don't ever have to answer those questions yeah. there will be no carl trade talk remember the, the one time. hour and 17 minute mark on the December <laughs> 15th day yeah, so it, you know it's just it's gonna be and also too I, i've pushed back i i hate the idea that this team went all in because uh, I don't really believe that's the appropriate use of that term. But if you do believe they went all in to get Rudy Gobert, then you're not going to pull your cards back. You can't, mm -hmm. like, and trade Carl because you now all of a sudden want to be financially smart for 2026. This team, despite not being an ant's window, uh, there's another window. And it's this team right now, and they're really good. So I don't mean to, like, you got to bring it up because it is the 15th and today's the day. But you would also just have to be patient and be like, hey, it might just be these eight or nine guys that got you to the party that you're going to go to war with in April and May. And that to me is fine because a lot of the times too, there was, I think there was like a study on this too. A lot of the buyout guys end up not being much, yeah. you know, like a lot of the, the NBA trade deadline stuff is just really exciting in the moment your phone blows up and you win mm -hmm. the press conference, but it doesn't mean shit in April and May. So yeah. this might just be the team that they, they go into, but it's worth noting. It's worth reviewing some of that stuff. Um, they are severely limited despite being, super deep and super talented. They can't really do anything with that 2024 pick that they do own that right now is slotted to be 30th in Bronny James. So that'll be fun. But uh, it's just going to be a really interesting seven weeks because short term, 
can we get this thing even better? Can we get that? Can we get a piece that makes this offense a top 10 offense like we talked about last week? Or do we just trust everyone here because they're part of the reason we're the number one defense and the number one team in the league? Well, and it's, I'm kind of blanking on what I was going to say. Great. great (laughs) I was going to do, I was going to do it, do it, do it all in analogy into moving into, into prize picks. And then I wanted to say something else. Oh yeah. Yes. I'm, I have been all in on prize picks. uh, And do you just want to go right to them right now? Do you mean any other basketball thoughts to close the week? It's just, it, it they're they're part they're in this 16 game stretch i know you talked a lot about it with chris and jason oh right? that's what i was gonna say there's there's there there are 23 games into this here and think about how much our view of this team has evolved it's, in the yeah, 23 game true. and just like specific players what works together what doesn't from things as small as like what is kyle anderson at the three like you know we're, we've we're we've evolved in our understanding of the rotation think about our evolution of thought with shake milton um what the double bigs look like we are going to double this seven-week sample size of the season thus far before the trade deadline happens. So we're going to find out new and different things about this team. We're going to learn more about it in this time. More importantly, the front office is going to learn further about it. And then and then at that point, you're going to have a better idea of what it is you you do or or don't need. I mean, even us, we're like, we're, we're like movement shooter. I don't know. Like in five weeks, are we saying something different? We, we yeah, very well... We very well uh, could be. So, yeah, let's wrap this up. Uh, today's show is brought to you uh, by Prize Picks, and we're kind of excited to share. You're going to help me explain how this new thing works uh, with Prize Picks, where they have demons and goblins for uh, added multipliers here. Obviously, Prize Picks is, is a daily fantasy uh, app here where you know, you're looking at the screen right here and you're seeing Christian McCaffrey more or less than 85 and a half rushing yards uh this this sunday and we're you know you're, you're picking one side of that together to put together a uh, pocket of picks um but what what have you you said i want to talk about uh, these these multipliers what is well listen their prize picks is a big sponsor of the show use the promo code dane uh to get a hundred dollar right match on mm-hmm. on your first deposit uh they've also just continued to grow and as someone who yeah. digs entrepreneurship and, and business uh like as you can see on the screen now or you look in the app they have like popular picks. So that's what the little fire emoji is. But yeah, they also dropped this thing a couple days ago, like demons and goblins. And basically all it is is like the demons are just inflate the odds. So if you were to pick Jake Browning over 274 passing yards, that's like a amplified stat. That's not really what his normal passing yeah. yards would be. And you pair that with another demon. And now you're getting instead of like three to one on two picks, you're getting like nine to one. So you throw okay. Minshew in there and, you know, now you're more and more. And now what are you getting? Yeah. Yeah. Six and a half to one. So it's just a fun thing. They continue to grow. Um, and again, they support us. So if you can support them, I, I, they're, I think, legal in all 50 states. It, it's not, you know, sports betting. It's it's mm-hmm. more of just over-unders on, on averages and stuff. But I will say this. Uh, there is a – I, I have removed myself from making picks. Uh, it was when <laughs> Josh Dobbs sent Justin Jefferson to the hospital last week that I have realized that's like eight straight weeks of getting someone nearly killed. So there will be no picks for me this week. I would just say if I was betting, there is like a fun Jamar Chase demon over 99 and a half yards, Justin Jefferson demon time over 99 and a half yards. And it comes Mm -hmm. out to be, I think like, yeah, nine to one, uh, two best wide receivers in the league, not named Tyree kill, uh, an LSU battle, uh, Saturday, Vikings, Bengals, big game. So that would be a fun way to do it. But again, yeah. those are not my picks because I'm not trying to get anyone killed, especially with Justin Jefferson on my fantasy team. 
Yeah. Okay. So here I'm, I'm seeing it here. There's the, the, the demon mode with the amplifier <laughs> for, for Justin Jefferson is 109.5 or the goblin is, is 49.5. <laughs> so it's less. I love hearing you say those words. That's yeah. Nice. A, I was not expecting that this, this morning, but the, here's your night. Like, so if Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson both go for a hundred or more, yeah, that's nine to one. Uh, on that in, in that game Saturday, yeah, I'm assuming a lot of our listeners will be you know watching the the Vikings game on Saturday. And that's it's that's cool for the Wolves game, right? Yeah, and it's cool now too because I know a lot of people are still listening to this, especially an hour and twenty minutes in. You know, it's fantasy football playoff stuff. Dane and I are constantly talking about our fantasy teams to each other. But if you're out of it and you're looking for a fun way to just have a little action on a game, they do a lot of college games as well, so you can. In yeah. a bowl game, pick a couple over unders on on that type of stuff. It's just a fun way to NFL, NBA, specials. Yeah, <laughs> you I mean, know, with combos of different leagues: NHL, college football, college basketball, soccer. Yeah, they're, they're, and, and it, my it last is thing fun is fun to mess around. With. And my last thing is always: it's really easy to get your money in and out. So it's not mm-hmm. like some of the other Ponzi schemes out there. Like it's a pretty easy way to just get money on, get money off. It's fun, low limits, um, but it's cool. And they yeah, do five dollars. Like yeah. do like the, if you want to do the the Chase and Jefferson thing, like. Don't don't do something that's going to you know make you upset if it doesn't work. This isn't like this doesn't need to be like your gambling side hustle. This is this is something to have fun when you're you know sitting around with your friends on Saturday and you put you know five bucks on mm-hmm. on this Chase Jefferson hundred yards a piece. Like yeah, and then you you got enough you leave with to, your, your fifty bucks. Yeah, you got a, yeah, you get a, a year's worth of money to to invest in Dane's Patreon, and now you're in the money f- or in the running for tickets to go watch. Yeah, we are the Ponzi scheme. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, give me your money. Yeah. Uh, no, so that's just a fun way to kind of have some skin. Uh, I think they continue to get better. They're a really cool partner. Um, mm-hmm. And thanks for everyone that listens to this bit because it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's illegal in Washington, actually. I'm headed to Seattle today with my parents, so I might have mm-hmm. to have you be my uh, my bookie. But uh, no, cool cool way to do it and. Just another way to interact with sports uh, during these next couple months when it's going to get colder. It's going to, mm-hmm. I think, still get darker. And as I'm learning in real time, you're going to have a lot more family time. And I don't know if what the linear progression is for gambling <laughs> when my parents are in town, but I know it goes up. So, uh, yeah, shout out Prize Pick, shout out all the other sponsors. Please do again. Dane and I are, are well set on this, mm-hmm. but support those who support us. It's it's the best for way sure. to show love to mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I appreciate you. I know you got a busy weekend and stuff coming on. We did a long episode here, um, but kind of wanted this. I like the, I think the Kyle episodes work really well as like uh, through the weekend, you know, um, even you can listen, even if you're listening to this, I think after the Wolves have played on Saturday, um, I think you, a lot of this stuff with Kyle is still um, informative. And and then, you know, Chris and I will be back on, on Monday. Uh, obviously, the Wolves play on Saturday. We're not going to record on Sunday. We'll record on um, Monday morning. So we'll recap that that Pacers game there. Chris was in Dallas. Uh, I wasn't. And honestly, I didn't really haven't read him or John <laughs> off of that game yet. So I haven't seen many of the quotes uh, off of off of that game. But we'll talk to we'll talk to Chris on Monday and then we'll uh, we'll rip through uh, another week before Christmas. You got something? Yeah, as you say, it's Saturday night. That's a I mean, if you are in town, yeah, Wolves Pacers. I believe it's AE one night uh, at the game. There's like going to be commemorative shirts and shoe drops tomorrow. Uh, shout out to whoever broke that news earlier this spring. You must be a legend. Uh, but I think, I mean, Pacers, Wolves, you want to talk about real hoops. That's going to be fun, right? We talked about are the how does Luka match up as a matchup problem for the Wolves. The Indiana Pacers, man, are just running up and down. 
You get hey, a lot of shots. And, and you know what? A prize pick on that Saturday game, man, hit the Carl more than on points. That I, I watched that Pacers Bucks game, which got all consumed with the the ball at the end. <laughs> uh, I like you know me. I like I like to yeah. watch full games. Yeah. Um, the the Bucks were up by twenty, so I turned it off with mm-hmm. like three minutes left in the game. <laughs> And then, uh, like, we watch a movie or something, and I go to my phone as I'm, like, laying in bed. I'm like, wait, what happened in the Bucks spacers game? Yadis scored, like, 15 more points or something in the last three minutes, three, four minutes once I turned the game off. And then that ball thing happened. But uh, the Pacers have nothing for, like, a, a big four. Obviously, like, Giannis is, is next level there. But, I mean, it, it was super bizarre to me. The whole game, man, they're guarding Giannis with Buddy Heald. I'm like, yeah. What? You know, and and so I don't know if that's just like a, a complete lack of faith in Obi Toppin to be able to to guard, you know, other fours there. They like, I don't know, they wanted to keep Miles Turner on Brooke Lopez so he could, you know, so he could defend the rim in theory. But it was just so weird because the Brooks out on the perimeter. I was just I, I don't know. I guess I'm curious to see uh how the how the Pacers match up with them. Maybe Turner gets cat. And then this idea is bad because, you know, that's Turner's a, a really good defender. Um, if you can figure out who Miles Turner is not is not going to be guarding in, in this Wolves Pacers game, I will hit that person is gonna hit their over. I I, I feel I feel uh, confident in that. That's gonna be a fun game. Another test for Jaden on the ball. Like, you know, it's all butterflies and rainbows right now with the wolves. Um, I want to see more out of Jaden, right? Same. Like, let's like let's go, let's be that guy. Um Let's avoid foul trouble. Needed more from him against Luca, and you're going to need a lot from him uh, against against Tyrese Halliburton on uh, on Saturday as well. So yeah, I'm feel like I haven't been around the team in a while. I'm excited to get back there on on Saturday yeah. too. And uh, yeah, Obi Toppin will not be stopping Carl Anthony Towns. Have a good weekend. <laughs> He's Kyle Tiggy. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tiggy. Listen to him over uh, at Flagrant Howls. As always, please do subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, if you can, that that's another way that it just helps us uh, grow the brand. And then we have Cam and Cooper uh, making cool TikToks and Instagrams. And that's Dane Moore NBA underscore podcast uh, on on Instagram or or TikTok. There, it's a it's a good way to just you know kind of see who was on the show, what we were talking about. And uh, if you don't have an hour to listen to an episode, that's a little way to maybe get a. Uh, a cool nugget or two uh, from from each of the episodes. So again, thank you to all you for listening. Kyle, thank you for doing it. Uh, until Monday with Chris, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.